Hello, everybody. Welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. It is Wednesday, November 25th, Thanksgiving Eve. So no matter if you're listening to this when it comes out on Wednesday, sometime on Thursday, Friday, because we're talking rankings here, it goes all the way through then. Happy Thanksgiving. Hope you're having a good, safe, fun holiday weekend. I'm Michael Beller, joined as I am every single Wednesday by Jake Seeley. Jake, what's up? Yeah, ready for a lot of food and a lot of napping tomorrow. <laughs> a lot of food and a lot of napping in three football games. Fingers crossed as well. Also, Brandon Funston. What's up, Funston? Hey, just busy, busy, busy trying to, you know, hurry up and get things done so I can stop doing things for a day. And that, <laughs> yeah, why that is, sounds why very, everybody very in the welcoming. Industry, <laughs> industry want to invite us on podcasts and stuff like this week? Like, we, you know, we're all in the same situation. We're yeah, trying right? to make five days into four. <laughs> five days into four, five days into three. This is actually a, a welcome respite for me. This is a, this is one of the few pods I've done this week where I'm doing it at the time when I would normally still be doing it. So I don't have to figure in my head or throw out any discussion claimers of we're recording this today but we're talking about stuff that's not happening until whenever blah 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 this is nice this is nice to get together with you guys on a Wednesday morning when we normally would to talk week 12 rankings we'll mix in a little bit of Thanksgiving day stuff but we're mostly looking ahead to Sunday and Monday for week 12 and hey no buys in week 12 we do still have two buys ahead of us that is in week 13 Panthers and Buccaneers last two buys of the season but week 12 our first week since week three I think uh, with 16 games all 32 teams in action and as I said we're looking ahead to Sunday and Monday in some cases and I want to start with Monday night football at the quarterback position Monday night is Seattle and Philadelphia and Carson Wentz is I think one of the more interesting players on the slate this week on the one hand Even though Seattle's defense has been improving, they've held uh, the Rams and the Cardinals to a combined 37 points the last two games. I don't think any of us is writing them up as this total lockdown defense at this point. Better than they were, still potentially beatable. On the other hand, Wentz has just been garbage, right? I mean, this just has been a bad quarterback and a bad offense. So we've been talking about the Seattle defense as a layup, almost regardless of who the quarterback is. Do you feel that way about Wentz against the Seahawks this week, Jake? No. And actually, as of today, I have Carson Wentz barely inside my top 20. Uh, he is behind Tannehill, Goff, Daniel Jones, Stafford with his thumb. And it's just at this point with Wentz, uh, we talked about it or on Monday. Uh, Brandon knows because I included in the waiver column about the fact that the catchable pass is going to Travis Fulgham. He's destroyed Travis Fulgham because it's 16.7%. Meanwhile, throwing catchable passes to everybody else. So he's just been <laughs> bad. I, and he's been, you know, hitting his tight ends but that's about it maybe Zach Ertz coming back if he plays this week helps him out a little bit more I don't know that it's going to do so much for Fulgham but what Brandon also said on Monday's show and he's right the past two weeks Seattle's been pretty good against the pass like this still a good matchup it's just not the go ahead and start everybody including the third wide receiver and quarterbacks that would normally be QB 25 like I can't even think of somebody like Philip Rivers. Well, no, Philip Rivers has been playing well. Baker Mayfield. There you go. <laughs> Baker Mayfield playing Seahawks. Go ahead and start him. It, it's not to that level anymore. And I don't think Carson Wentz falls into that. So I, I would easily have Carson Wentz still on my bench. Yeah, I have him ranked 16th right now. I'm, I'm not sure if he doesn't move down another spot or two. Why but, do you um, love Carson Wentz? <laughs> I am mediocre on Carson Wentz. And yeah, and you know, Seattle's been been better the last couple of weeks without their starting corners. Maybe they just need to make the, the guys that are currently in there their starting corners instead and not worry about it. But it, you know, if they get healthier this week, like a Shaquille Shaquille Griffin uh you know returned to practice, he could be playing this week. Um yeah, so I think this, this is not like a slam dunk for Carson Wentz, especially with his weapons there. You got a young guy in Jalen Rieger who, you know, we like, but has yet to really pop. And as Jake mentioned, Travis Fulgham not getting catchable passes. And I would say that's kind of been the way it's been with Fulgham all year. He just was catching non-catchable passes a lot more early on, seems like. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think he's just a middle-of-the-road player. Oh, no, that number was – I mean, it wasn't – 80%, but the catchable pass percentage was 68% before the last two weeks, and now it's 17%. That's 
enormous okay. drop off. You're yeah, right. Just like anecdotally, just from my like my like eye watching, test watching the game, I've just seen a seen a lot of like, wow, Travis Fulgham really went out of his way to make that catch for sure. Carson Wentz kind of plays, you know. Yeah. So maybe it's you're you're thinking about the thirty two percent. There you go. That's what. But uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. to go back real quick, you know, we talked about before is the APA, the adjusted points allowed, which we have on the site, which you know, again, weeks fourteen through sixteen are included. This doesn't change an enormous amount after about week four or five. Like usually it's between five. Maybe the biggest you'll see is a 10 point swing at wide receiver. Like the Dallas Cowboys, Cincinnati Bengals, they've been hovering in the 40s all year long. I told you guys the Seahawks broke the table. Like they were up at 67 adjusted points allowed Mm -hmm. to wide receivers. The last two games alone have dropped them from 67 to 52. That's that's also kind of breaking the table. Like nobody usually moves that much. And it's because they just faced the Rams and the Cardinals and kept both those teams in check. So what adjusted points left for everybody out there that doesn't know, it accounts for the strength of your opponent and how well you're playing. So if you face Patrick Mahomes 16 times or you face Baker Mayfield 16 times, you're obviously going to give up more to Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they held two teams of that caliber in check has swung them down significantly. You mentioned Cincinnati yeah. being toward the top of those rankings for the uh, for the wide receivers, and I'm wondering if we're not giving Daniel Jones enough credit this week for his <laughs> matchup against the Bengals. We know what Daniel Jones is. There's going to be some mistakes. He might pop some plays on the ground and through the air. Uh, we know what it is, right? I mean, we know basically what to expect from Daniel Jones, but it still feels like he's maybe not getting enough love in this spot when you look at the quarterback position top to bottom. Brandon, where are you at on Daniel Jones this week? I I I wanted to rank him as a QB one, but I put him at thirteen to cheat, just in case he just goes full Daniel Jones, <laughs> and I can say, well, I didn't have him as a QB one. I'm yeah. at thirteen, so. Um, but I I get the allure of him with the Cincinnati Bengals this week. Uh, he's actually third among quarterbacks in rushing yards, and a lot of that rushing has been you know loaded up in recent weeks he's ahead of guys like josh allen deshaun watson and russell wilson who you would just assume are going to be higher than him but so he's he's been basically elite as a rusher and guys this could be the first time if he gets through this week without throwing an interception that he has gone three straight games without an interception so uh i think he has a chance i'm giving him a chance i think he has a chance to be a qb1 this week for sure yeah, this feels like trying to trust a Belichick running back. It's like as soon as you yep. buy in. <laughs> yep. We're in. We're in on Damian Harris too, Jake. So yeah, this is this is 2020. En- enjoy the misery as you watch the two-point performance. So right now, I do have him behind two guys who would change depending on their circumstances. So I have him behind, immediately behind Matt Ryan and Matthew Stafford. And that's with Julio Jones and Kenny Galladay currently. And if there's no Kenny Galladay by this afternoon when a lot of people are listening – I would play Daniel Jones over Stafford. If there's no Julio Jones, we know Matt Ryan struggles. And also, our brother's up too. I think in either the waiver or the rankings, call, I did somewhere, is the fact that Matt Ryan, in his bad games without Julio Jones, there were actually three tough defenses too. So you kind of have to hold in perspective of like, is it the combination of the two? So I would still move Matt Ryan behind him if there's no Julio Jones. But I don't think I could get Daniel Jones higher than 14 because I have Roethlisberger, Hill, and Cam right there at 13, 12, and 11. So... He's pushing, as Brandon said, QB1 status, but it's mainly because of the rushing. Like, even without the turnovers, he's still not passing that great. He's kind of turning, actually, there's good, he's turning into Cam Newton. Yeah. As we've uh, talked about with, uh, you said Hill. I was like, Hill for a second. Hill. Who I have back to back. Taysom. It's Taysom, you know? (laughs) Taysom is what we're always referring to him as. But, hey, you've got those guys all in the same group, and they do have similar styles of play and similar ways of delivering in the fantasy world. The one player you mentioned in there who doesn't have that style of play and that way of delivering is the next guy who I want to talk about, Ben Roethlisberger. This is a Thanksgiving Day game, at least as we sit here on Wednesday morning. We know the Ravens' COVID issues, so there's a possibility that that changes, but we're going to talk about it as though this game does go off on Thursday night. Roethlisberger and the Steelers at home against the Ravens. First game against Baltimore, obviously a Pittsburgh win, considering all of their games have been wins this season. Roethlisberger uh, threw for 182 yards, just 5.69 yards per attempt, saved the day with a couple of touchdowns. Is there any scenario in which you find yourself trying to get away from starting Roethlisberger this week, Jake? Mm, trying to get away from it? No. Uh, yeah. I-, I would say... You know, maybe I don't even know who you would potentially maybe Derek Carr, I think, would be the only person that you weren't expecting. Maybe if you picked up Justin Herbert, Matt, those might be the only two Mm -hmm. where I could see. All right. I'm benching Ben Roethlisberger. But 
trying to get away from, I'm not going to. I'm not too worried about Baltimore. I know Marlon Humphrey's been playing really well again, but so has Ben Roethlisberger. The only concern we have with him this year is something that hasn't changed for most of the year is he's been playing a lot more of the short game, uh, very similar to Drew Brees. But let's even let's pull Drew Brees into the conversation. Drew Brees, even before this year, we didn't really care. He was still throwing for almost 300 yards and two, three multiple touchdowns because he's just so good at it. So when you're talking about this trio of wide receivers, I'd say the only way I would have a little bit more concern, and he's at QB 13, so he's on that fringe conversation, is if he does have no juju, but Ray Ray, Ray McLeod and James Washington, the one time that they didn't have Deontay Johnson, kind of stepped in and just showed that Ben Roethlisberger is just still good at throwing it. He's turned into Drew Brees. That's really who he's turned into. Yeah, and we got to say about this Baltimore defense, they've, they've been withering a bit, and they had injuries, Calais Campbell and Brandon Williams down on that on that front line, I mean, you can run against them, and, and they're giving up, like, I think in the last five, they're giving up about 24 points per game. Three of those games have been 28 or more. So this is not an absolute lockdown defense at the moment. And so I'm not I'm not too concerned about Ben Roethlisberger either. Yeah, I don't think there's any reason to be, but just wanted to get that out there. We have seen the Ravens get beat a couple of times in recent weeks. Of course, last week, a nice game all around for that Tennessee offense. So we're going to change things up here as we wrap things up at the quarterback position. We know it's been a little bit of a struggle to find starters who you would sit, or even the vice versa, guys who are totally off the radar at this position, just given the way the quarterback class has performed as a whole this year. So instead of that, I'm going to ask you first, who is the quarterback who will most significantly underperform expectations? This could still be someone you start. You could say Patrick Mahomes, but just who do you think is in a trouble spot in terms of underperforming what we are expecting of him in week 12? Jake, why don't you go first on this one? Yeah, I have him. In, so there, I'm going to go aggressive with this one because I have him inside my top 10. Uh, I also have him barely inside my top 10. Aaron Rodgers against Chicago. I just... Chicago's defense has been really good this year, really good against the past. Uh, we've seen, we talked about Aaron Rodgers, you know, it, it came up late last week, but for, I'd say, three quarters of that game, he looked like what we talked about on last week's show is quarterbacks under pressure struggling and kind of, well, not, I don't want to say saved his day because that sounds like he bailed himself out. It was just Aaron Rodgers being Aaron Rodgers. But if that happens for an entire game, it doesn't happen towards late in the game where he gets those touchdowns, all of a sudden it's like, nah, it, was, it wasn't even a top 10 performance for Aaron Rodgers. So, I have him inside the top 10. I'm still playing him. I'm not benching him against Chicago. But also at the same time, you could lean a lot on Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams and not even need Aaron Rodgers to do too much against the Bears. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess I would go with uh, if I wanted to go with another top 10 uh, quarterback that I'm worried about. It's Tom Brady. And I think the same elements that, that came into play last week with the Rams uh, could happen again to him this week. I mean, you get pressure. Kansas City gets pressure on the quarterback. That's that's a death knell for Tom Brady. They have talented players in the secondary. If Tom Brady went out and put up another 216, two touchdowns, and two interception line against KC, that would not shock me at all. All right, let's flip this over. Same question, opposite attack, though. The quarterback who is going to most significantly outperform expectations this week. Brandon, you take this one first. Um, I will say Ryan Tannehill just because I think he's pretty much matchup proof. Um, you know, uh, and, and people are going to look at that Indianapolis defense and say that, okay, you, you know, you don't want to play Tannehill, but because of the nature of that offense, I just think that, uh, you know, the, I, I, I just generally tend to not even worry about who Tannehill's playing because, you know, he can still, he can still put up two, three touchdown passes, maybe run for 20, 30 yards, and he ends up being, you know, borderline QB1. What was that so, pff, I, noise, Jake? That, that's, I, I don't know where to go now. Because that's what I was going to say. Oh. I was going to say, oh, okay. Ryan Tannehill, because he, the numbers haven't been as good as they were at the beginning of the season. And I, as Brandon said, people see the Colts and get worried about the Colts. And they've been all around solid defense. It's, and it's not really like, hey, they can definitely stop anybody. And the way they just played two weeks ago, it wasn't too bad, so I was going to go with Tannehill. Uh, well, I let guess. Me, we can stick with Tannehill. I mean, I'm looking looking at the numbers right now. 147 yards, one touchdown, 5.44 yards per attempt, two carries, yeah. nine yards. That no, was I was going to go somewhere else. I, I have a I backup know, here. But I'm just saying, it wasn't, it wasn't a great game the first time around. Yeah, so I will go with the person that Brandon's not allowed to say. I'll go Derek Carr. <laughs> <laughs> Derek Carr. He's in my top, I he's think in my expect, top 10. I think the expectations <laughs> for him are pretty high. 
No, that's it's that's the thing. They're not. It's the perception, and that's why Brandon keeps bringing him up this year. Is people are still like Derek Carr. He's got four twenty point games. He's got twenty plus point games. He's only got one single digit, and people still have the perception. And Brandon, that's why Brandon keeps bringing him up is because people are still like, eh, it's Derek Carr. Like I, I could do better. That's what that's the perception. Yeah, I could do better because. And the case in point, Jake, is we talked about him on Monday. And Beller, you don't you don't offer up these quarterbacks as streamers unless their ownership or their rostership rate That's true. is still in an area where they can be picked up. And Derek Carr was still there on Monday, so uh, you know, and he's he's the only he's the only quarterback who solved the Chiefs this year so far as well. Yeah, and he's done it twice also. So, but uh, Derek Carr getting the Atlanta Falcons this week in Atlanta definitely feeling like a good spot for Derek Carr. Let's move things over to the running back position now, guys, and let's stick on Thanksgiving. Let's go back to that Ravens-Steelers game. We know that J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram are going to be out after testing positive for COVID-19, so Gus Edwards elevates to the top of the depth chart. A simple question here, Brandon, is he an autoplay? Yeah, if no J.K. Dobbins, uh, I think absolutely. I mean, we saw him put up just a few weeks ago like 87 yards and touchdown against Pittsburgh. And most of the time in the past when Gus Edwards has been the featured guy, I mean, we, you know, Gus Bus was a thing. We talked about it. Got to ride the Gus Bus. Um, so he can do middle class uh, Derrick Henry type things uh, when he is the featured guy. And I think absolutely. I talked about you know, how, how his success has been against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is another one of those defenses where, you know, they have this vaunted kind of reputation, but there have been people who have had success against them this year. And so, yeah, I think you're you're in on Gus Edwards. 100%. But I also say don't forget about Justice Hill, uh, mostly because Gus Edwards is not involved in a <laughs> passing game ever. <laughs> like, what, like right. one reception maybe? So if this is expected to the point of to go back to Roethlisberger, if Roethlisberger doesn't have problems and doesn't have problems pushing the pace and pushing the score, and you're looking at the Ravens and saying, all right, well, they can't just run it down their throats with Lamar Jackson and Gus Edwards, yes, both of them, then Justice Hill is going to get involved a little bit. So there are some needy owners. That's the only reason I throw them out there. And I expect this to change because right now Justice Hill in my rank is like 20 above consensus because I have him at RB40. He's in that range of players with like Jamal Williams and Singletary. But uh, I don't don't forget about Justice Hill is what I'm saying because it's the only two running backs they have. By the way, is this is this the most 2020 thing that J.K. Dobbins is finally ready to be unleashed? To be a thing and and, and to be a thing, and he gets COVID, and you know what's going to happen? Gus Edwards is going to go out and kill it, yep. and that they're just going to not want to sit him again. You know, and it's going to go back to the same st- stupid RBBC that we've seen all year long. I mean, we finally uh, had DeAndre Swift, and then he got a concussion. <laughs> right. Fortunately, exactly. neither one of the other running backs did anything. So, well, by the way, I just I did my turkey draft. I. I Grabs uh, five other guys from my fantasy league and said, "Let's do a you know, let's do a six team turkey day draft." Mm-hmm. And I I did take Swift. So where are we at on Swift? Because he did practice on Tuesday. It feels um, like and- he's going to play. The fact that he was limited on Tuesday. By the time people are listening, we'll probably have a good idea because Wednesday is going to be the key day for him. Obviously, yeah. Today, yeah, all right. Which is I just I, it's, as a self serving aside there. Can I, can I just, I, <laughs> sidebar real quick. We have a Thursday yeah. game every single well, except for what happened with COVID. But we have a Thursday game every single week. Is right. is it just me or is every year at Thanksgiving Wednesday? Despite we always say Wednesday for the Thursday game, and we're talking about a game the very next day, it still feels different. Like yeah, well, it yeah. still feels like these games are in advance of like a normal like even though it's still tomorrow, it just it feels different for me every year. Sidebar. I think it's that it, well, it's three versus one. You're like thinking about uh, uh, like a, a, a not insignificant number of games. I think that's right. But the, the, the thing what you just said about like Swift's practice, we'll know it's on Wednesday, and it's like yeah, we know that every single week for the Thursday <laughs> game. But for true. some reason, it feels earlier this week. I don't know yeah. why. Well, yeah, I guess because the first game starts eight hours earlier. Maybe I mean, maybe that's starts what it is. on yeah. Thursday morning. So can I get this question out that I've been trying to get out? I want you guys. <laughs> can you guess the uh, career high in targets for uh, Gus Edwards? in one game three two it is three he did it uh, once it was this season it was i just against, have, it was i that, actually that, knew that answer sorry Brandon. that <laughs> win over the Bengals where they beat the Bengals 27 to three back in week five he had three targets in that game he has one two two career games with two targets 
and then a, a handful with one, and the vast majority of his career is zero targets. So zero. point well taken. In, on in other thing. words, he is uh, not going Hill, to be yeah. involved in the passing game. <laughs> no. That's going to be another the sidebar. Justice Don't Hill ever role. play sports trivia with Michael Beller. He's like a beautiful mind with that thing for some reason. <laughs> hey, what can I say? It's got a trap up here. I wish I had uh, the the Russell Crowe bankroll. You're like Sheldon. Along with it. That's who you are. You're <laughs> 1983 at 4:17 p.m. and the, you know when the Cardinals were. <laughs> that's just it's ridiculous. What can I say, man? Big Ten education and. Pays off very well. Um, hey, speaking of the Big Ten, let's go to the upper Midwest. Sunday Night Football, Bears and Packers. David Montgomery back in our lives this week. He missed the Bears' last game with a concussion. Then they had a bye. David Montgomery is going to be good to go for this game against the Packers. We know the argument for starting David Montgomery. It's all about volume because the production just hasn't been great, but he grunts and grinds his way to RB2 numbers because there's really no other option in the Bears' backfield. Jake, is there an argument for benching him? No, none, not one. I don't even care that nobody's on a buy. And you know, I don't like David Montgomery. Yeah. Well, I mean, I do. I don't like what people expected of David Montgomery. And when he came out, and what my comparison kept being is somebody that used to play is well, now he's actually on a team again, Jordan Howard. But actually, for this team, there you go. Is yeah. he's a running back that most running backs can do what he does. And I kept saying the PFF broken tackle stat skewed a lot of people and thought that like, oh, he's going to be this elusive. You, nobody can take him down and all that type of stuff. He's an okay all-around running back. That's what Jordan Howard was, and that's why Jordan Howard had some success, and you can turn to these other running backs, and that's success. (laughs) Yeah, I know. You could have just let that one go. That was cool. Uh, (laughs) Like This is where the argument for replacement running backs comes from, and there's a difference between being elite and being a David Montgomery. All that being said, it's the Packers. Everybody runs on the Packers. Mm -hmm. So my question before, like, I want to know where Brandon has them ranked because I ranked them at RB20, and apparently that's way higher than consensus. And I said, like, why? Like, he's a must-start in my opinion. Yeah, I have not finished my rankings for the week because I was ranking 132 players for the rest of the season. Thank you for that, (laughs) uh, Jake. So Did you purposely um, do, like, 11 times 12, or did it just, like, yeah, yeah, okay. I did. I, I started getting into the 130s and started going, this is ridiculous. And then I said, well, 132 is 11 times 12. So that's 11 <laughs> rounds of a 12-team league. I'm good with that. Um, but yeah, I, I'm guessing I'm probably going to be around 20. I might creep it a little bit higher. But I mean, it's 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 the balance scale. It's the, the mother of all matchups versus the team with the lowest yield in the backfield of fantasy production. And um, it could be, is Possibly it going to be competition? Is it going to be Bray at quarterback? I mean, what, who is the quarterback for the, <laughs> well, you know, so, so it is, it is 1030 central time right now. And our bears beat writer, Kevin Fishbane tweeted earlier that uh, the bears have a press conference at 1045 central time. And originally it was scheduled as Nick Foles. And this morning they changed it to players available. <laughs> who will be speaking at that press conference, which in, as we're recording at starts, it starts 15 minutes from now. I think we're going to learn who the starting quarterback is. Come back around to the I was going to say, I don't, I don't have a scouting report on players available. I've never heard of them. <laughs> well, Brandon, you want to know who the one running back in front of David Montgomery is for me right now? Um, who? Damian Harris. Uh-oh. There you go. That's, that's trust. That's top 20 trust right there. There it is. Uh, all right, let's move on to our next running back here. It is Raheem Mostert. Again, we don't know if he's going to come back. He is. Uh, he has his practice window open, so could be activated this week from the IR against the Rams. This is something that we'll learn a lot about later in the week, but let's just talk as though he's playing. If he plays, if he goes for the Niners, does he automatically go for you, Brandon? Absolutely. Did Jeff Wilson automatically go for you if he's the guy or, you know, anybody who is going to be the lead guy? And we know Raheem Mostert doesn't need 20 touches. And I'm always kind of just dismayed at how low this guy gets treated like in the rest of season rankings I was just talking about. And I go look at what the rest of the industry is doing with, with these guys. And Mostert's like buried at like 70 overall. And I'm like, no way. If Raheem Mostert's if he's healthy, I mean, he is a slam dunk RB2 in my mind, and yet you often see him get treated as a low-end RB2 or a high-end RB3, and I'm like, nah, he's he, if he's playing this week, it's all good. I don't love the matchup, but I, I still give him a chance to, to do most things, break a big play, just get enough done to be an RB2 this week. Mm, yeah, oh, RB2. I have just one spot out of that, RB25, only because uh, the there one hasn't thing- been a – 
There no, hasn't been a, a slam dunk decision made on whether he's going to play. I, I mean, well, if no, he, no, no. If it's a, what I come down to is it's also Tevin Coleman, Jared McKinnon, Jeff Wilson, as you mentioned. They're all there, yeah, and it just comes right. down to That's trusting Kyle Shanahan. They're actually all healthy. Well, supposed to be all healthy this week. I am with you, Brandon. I've said it the entire year. The only person Shanahan has proven to us that he will use consistently is Mostert. But because it's his first game back, I do, I 100% will say today, if he's out there, he's the lead option. But because everybody's healthy, is the lead option 18, 20 touches, or is it 14, 13 because it's his first game back? So the people yeah. right in front of him, Geo against the Giants, it's his backfield. Gus Edwards, it's his backfield out of the passing game. Wayne Gallman, his backfield. David Montgomery, his backfield. And that's what it is. That's the only reason those guys are right in front of him is because I know there's very little to no competition for his touches. I'm with you with the disrespect of Mostert, but first game back, everybody's healthy. I just don't know if he gets his full workload. And that's fair. And this is a no-buy week, and right. he is his first game back. And it is a tough matchup. So I'm saying slam dunk RB2, but I might be more in like the you know the low mid-20s on him like you as well. Now so watch Tim we'll Coleman get 25 carries. Yep. That yep. Would never happen. Very Shanahan-y <laughs> of him to do that, even if we have Mostert back this week. Uh, let's move on to Giovanni Bernard. You know what? I have Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins written down uh, in our wide receiver section, but let's just take all three of these guys together because the question isn't about that. The question effectively is about Brandon Allen, who was announced this morning as the starter for Cincinnati. So how much does Brandon Allen, how much does the loss of Joe Burrow and the move to Brandon Allen hurt Giovanni Bernard, Tyler Boyd, and I guess to a lesser extent, T. Higgins? Does it push (laughs) these guys out of your starting lineup, Jake? Why, to a lesser extent, T. Higgins? I guess I I was sort of caught in between because I was, uh, you know, I think I think of Bernard and Boyd as for sure starters, and Higgins not necessarily. But Higgins probably fits into that group too. So forget about the lesser extent. Does it? Does (laughs) does Brandon Allen push any of these guys out of your lineup? Is the question? I I think Brandon Allen pushes Giovanni Bernard and Tyler Boyd into the conversation of are they must starts where they were a hundred percent before, and actually technically T. Higgins was too. Yeah. Unless you had crazy wide receiver depth. That's what I'm kind of with you. Like, I don't think T. Higgins was even with the way that he's been playing a guaranteed must start because you just might have the depth. Like, you you drafted Tyler Boyd at a significant point. T. Higgins was brought up off the waiver wire. So that's why I bring that up. But mm-hmm. I think you say Gio and Tyler Boyd are now in the conversation of you might be able to bench him, uh, mostly also because there are no buys. And I, that's even going forward because there's only two next week. You might be able to bench. All of them going forward. Let's. This is Brandon Allen. We've seen Brandon Allen. We know Brandon Allen is probably not even NFL starter caliber, let alone the drop off from Burrow to what we would be like a I'm trying to think like a, the Josh McDown. Like how do you say that's probably a lesser drop off? Just like random names like that. Andy Dalton would be ten times better. So I think you consider dropping all of them. And T Higgins now for this week, why he's behind Tyler Boyd for me is because Tyler Boyd. Open quicker, out there quicker, routes are quicker, and T. Higgins gets James Bradbury. So T. Higgins is going to get the tough matchups. There will be some matchups where, you know, you would say, okay, I feel a little bit better about T. Higgins. Maybe he catches the touchdown, and that's what you're going for. But against Giants and Bradbury, I think T. Higgins and A.J. Green are the benchable ones. But also, you know, Brandon Allen just might target somebody 13 times like Jake Luton did in his first game with D.J. Chark. Yeah. I mean, I don't really have a whole lot to add other than look at Gio Bernard in particular. The last couple of games with Joe Burrow was doing nothing anyways. Uh, and, and we talk about this Giants defense is underrated. It's actually a pretty good defense. And you get like Brandon Allen, who is, uh, you know, very replacement level. Um, no, that's yeah, I think. Yeah, <laughs> everybody, everybody is down. So I'm with you. I, Tyler Boyd is the one guy I would hold out hope, um, but I'm not expecting a whole lot out of Higgins or Bernard. For what it's worth, Brandon Allen made three starts with the Brown with the Broncos uh, last season. In those three games, Cortland Sutton had eight targets, nine targets, eight targets, five catches, five catches, one catch, fifty-six yards, one hundred thirteen yards, twenty-seven yards. He also had a touchdown in the first game. So the eight-nine-eight right. maybe makes you feel good about Tyler Boyd. It's, I, I would feel better if I didn't know, or if I did know who it was definitively going to be. Like it was Cortland Sutton last year, and pretty much the end like like Mm -hmm. that's what like again if you told me who it was going to be brandon allen's favorite target whoever that even if it's aj green i'd be like all right wide receiver three the question is is going to be who does brandon allen like 
All right, let's talk about a couple more running backs here before we actually do get to those wide receivers. Savan Ahmed, is that good, Jake? Yeah. Savan yeah, Ahmed. Good. We might get to the point Miami. where he doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> and my, well, yeah, so that's why I want to bring him up here because I think a lot of people are ready to get him in their lineups after what they saw from him, even with Matt Breida back in the fold a week ago, owning the Miami backfield. But, Jake, you've got him down for the time being uh, at RB29. So why are you so low on him compared with where the consensus is? Because I have Miles Gaskin back. Miles Gaskin's eligible to come back. He hasn't been officially announced as he's playing this week, and this will change. You know, if there is no Miles Gaskin, I will move Ahmed up, uh, probably into the low end RB two conversation. I would still start David Montgomery in front of him because let's be honest about Ahmed. It's very similar to David Montgomery. A lot of volume, not. And nothing really that makes you say, wow, this is a right. really good running back. It's a mm-hmm. good situation against the Jets. But, you know, the Jets have also been out there being able to put up some points, depending on who's at quarterback. I actually think it's better. Yeah, for everybody that loves Sam Darnold, he's being outplayed by Joe Flacco's dead career at this point. So, like, let's let's chill out with that. So, I actually <laughs> like this offense better if Joe Flacco's out there, which means, you know, maybe you don't get Ahmed getting 20 carries. So, I would say he's a low-end RB2. But right now, the reason I have him as, a, like, a fringe RB two three is because I have Miles Gaskin inside the top forty as coming back, but that obviously could change. Yeah, I think uh, to Jake's point, it's a placeholder here. Uh, back end RB two is the Dolphins starter, and the one thing <laughs> that we've seen from Brian Flores is that he has ridden one guy all year long. So I'm very curious if Miles Gaskin is healthy, is he if he's going ridden? to try to mix yeah. Ahmed into the mix, and so. That'll be interesting because that'll be like kind of the first time. So do you he's done think it. that Gaskin steps right if he is active? Do you think he steps right back into like 15, 20 touches? I, 15, maybe. Um, and I, I would think this game, if it's his first game back, that maybe Ahmed gets a little nod for, you know, coming in and, and stepping up and helping out. And, and maybe this is the game where Flores does a little bit more RBBC than he's been. Uh, I think going forward after this week, if Gaskin proves healthy or if. Ahmed, you know, shines clearly over Gaskin. I think one of them ends up being the guy uh, going forward when they're both healthy. Yeah, if they're both healthy this week, they kind of feel like the Bills running backs to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shine on, you yeah. crazy diamond, Savon Ahmed. <laughs> one more running back here, James White, back in the fold for the Patriots last week. Rex Burkhead got hurt. He's done for the year. We saw a 6-9-64 game out of James White. Six catches, nine targets, 64 yards. That's the James White line that we know and love. Is he back? Is that it, Jake? Is he back? <laughs> yeah. Hey, Rex Burkhead took his job, and Rex Burkhead is – it sounds like he's potentially done for the season, and mm-hmm. James White's back. That's really what it comes down to is that with Cam Newton, unlike Bill Belichick of the years past where he's like three or four guys are going to be involved, it's down to like Damian Harris and the passing option, and Burkhead had taken it over. So, yeah, I think Whitehead's right back into the mix. Still that fringy RB3, better in PPR, no question about it, but he's the, he's the new Burkhead. No, oh, Burkhead was him, and then now he's back. That was Austin Beller. Did you catch that he, Jake just threw out a white head there? I did. <laughs> I did indeed. Does a little slip, but I loved it. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's, a, it's the Rex Burkhead, James White. <laughs> no, he said, he said it, James White heads right back into the lineup. Yes. Oh, yeah. is that what you said? Yeah, oh, but it's okay, still, yeah. I still could. But still I like worked. the white head. That's fun. actually better. Like- it's the same running back, just the Voltron yeah, right. together. <laughs> Uh, somewhere Danny Woodhead is wondering if he can get a mention. So there you go, <laughs> Danny Woodhead. Um, let's look at this. We can stick with the same structure of question we've had at the running back position since it is uh, deep. I guess we should maybe change it up. There's not a regular starter you're going to sit at this running back position with the state of it. So let's go with that underperform. A running back who you are concerned about underperforming expectations in Week 12. Who you got, Jake? Uh, Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> has nothing to do. <laughs> I mean, it it's, it's feels like a layup, but it, it's the truth. I do not trust Frank Wright. Hell, Frank Wright on Monday when asked the fantasy question, which why are we still asking coaches fantasy questions? Like, <laughs> right. stop, people. We know. Like, but he came out and his quote was, that's the way we roll. Like, if that's not a glaring, like, holy crap, run for the other direction, don't trust Jonathan Taylor, I would love, we all would. Everybody would. The fantasy community. I'm not just talking about this show. We'd love that Jonathan Taylor was the, the guy. But, yeah, I think it could easily be the Naheem Hines game. And, hell, Jordan Wilkins might get the goal line carry and just piss us off altogether. (laughs) 
I'll throw out CEH. You can't run on Tampa, and Casey doesn't normally need an excuse to just throw the ball all day long, but now they got one. Um, we've seen CEH have some terrible rushing games. I think if this could be one of those weeks where he really has to get something done in the passing game to, to salvage or find the end zone to salvage his fantasy value. All right, other side of this, a fringe or an off-the-radar running back who you would get into lineups this week. Brandon, who you got? Oh, gosh, I don't know that I have a great Oscar. one. Uh, Mostert. There you go. Mostert. <laughs> Jake, who there you got go. for Raheem both of you Mostert. guys? Yeah. <laughs> I, I cannot. This is, all right. Is anything more 2020 than what I'm about to say? Ooh, I can't is it, hear it. Let me guess. Let me guess. Go ahead, uh, guess. Duke, jo- Duke Johnson. No. I actually have been like <laughs> railing on Duke Johnson. That's the for perfect everybody. reaction to Somebody Duke was Johnson. like, Duke Johnson, look at the matchup. Give him one more chance. Like, he just had three good matchups. What are you? <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, no. Frank Gore. Like, oh, uh, yeah. yeah, Frank Gore. I the backfield is his revenge they, game. I mean, and they promoted Josh Adams, but still, like Frank Gore was already getting run. Michael P. Ryan had his little shot there, and then he's potentially done for the season. Like, I don't want to start Frank Gore, but I've seen some people asking me about their teams and lineups, and they've just been decimated by injuries, or you know, got guys that just burn them. With a, put it this way, if you're trying to decide between the two Bucks running backs or Frank Gore. I might go Frank Gore. <laughs> Absolutely crazy that we find ourselves here in 2020 recommending Frank Gore. Yeah, because we were doing it in 1995. Uh, 2005 was his rookie year, actually, Jake. But it's great. I mean, it's just I love it. I love Frank Gore. I love the fact that there is I am all for anyone other than probably Tom Brady who is older than me still getting the job done. So hats off to you, Frank Gore. Let's have a big one against the Dolphins this week. And hey, speaking of the Dolphins, let's start with one of their receivers at the wide receiver position, Devontae Parker. Things have not necessarily gone great for him in the four starts for Tua Tungavailoa. 15 catches, 25 targets, 159 yards, two touchdowns, no more than 64 yards in any one of those four games. He does have two six-catch games, so he hasn't been totally touchdown dependent, but I don't know, Brandon, he feels kind of touchdown dependent to me. Where are you at on Devontae Parker going into this matchup with the Jets? I think where I'm at is it's just so much the clear number one um, that you have to you just have to roll with him and you know there's it's been some inconsistency uh, that we didn't see last year after Preston Williams went down but with Preston Williams down um, there's just nobody else that stepped up wider two Mike Gasicki's not really stepping up it's Devonte Parker so if they're gonna have any success at all in the passing game I feel like it's gonna go through Devonte Parker the the I guess the question with Miami now with two of there is will they have success throwing the ball i just think the jets are easier to throw on than they are to run on so i will go ahead and lean into Devonte parker this week yeah my concern with Devonte parker is partly the offense too i mean they started the transition this year similar to the ravens having to adapt to lamar jackson they started to do more west coast this year it's part of the reason preston williams didn't fit well and actually why preston williams was so inconsistent but the thing before this was still you had fitzpatrick being in the middle of the transition to the West Coast, which is, I think is part of the reason they had this plan all along after the bye, is because he was still doing his own thing anyway, because he's Ryan Fitzpatrick. And that's why we were like, yeah, we didn't really have that much concerns about Devontae Parker. But I think at this point now, with this transition, I don't think Parker's a terrific fit either. So it's a lot of volume. As you said, there's not really much else involved, even with Jakeem Grant. Kaseki hasn't been a thing this year. So the volume still has him in play as a wide receiver I'd say high-end wide receiver three. I think that's actually where I have him this week. But if something happens, if we get a late announcement that Fitzpatrick's back at quarterback, Parker's in the, like probably inside the top 20 for me. Jake, let's go from one of your boys over to another in DJ Chark. Uh, we got the unfortunate news do, 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 do. on Wednesday morning that Mike Lennon is getting the start <laughs> for the oh, Jacksonville Jaguars against the Browns this week. I think it's hard to totally run away from Chark just because of what he is, what the ceiling is, but... I mean, is there an argument for sitting him down? Is Mike Glennon the argument for sitting DJ Chark down in week 12? <laughs> Mike Glennon is the argument for what are we doing with these contracts or backup quarterbacks? That's what that <laughs> argument is. It's like, just assume because the guy never steps on the field, he's good. Like, that, that's that argument. But I had DJ Chark at 28 with expecting not Gardner Minshew. This, the inside hope of me being able to put him inside the top 15 and Minshew playing. But because it's Mike Glennon, he's right at 28. I have him right there behind Robbie Anderson and Parker and Cooper uh, alongside of some of the boomer buster options of like Curtis Samuel 
Tyler Boyd, you know, that, 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 that type of situation because similar to Luton, Glennon could target him a decent amount, but unless he's getting eight plus targets, you know I mean? it might be the Travis Fulgham situation where 20% of them might be catchable because it's Mike Glennon. So that's the concern here. Yeah, not a whole lot to add on that. It's it's Mike Glennon's the concern. Absolutely. <laughs> um, all right, let's, let's, the NFL? Yeah, let's <laughs> move right on to uh, CeeDee Lamb on Thanksgiving Day against Washington. Last week, he had six targets, caught four of them for 34 yards and one hell of an acrobatic touchdown. Two carries, 12 yards. We know they like to mix him in like that. Uh, he had a second end zone target in addition to the touchdown he had. Also caught a two-point conversion, which not a touchdown, obviously, but clearly they like this guy when they get inside the 10, inside the 5 to make those big plays. So with that for him, with the uh, competence that Andy Dalton showed us a week ago, Brandon, are we putting CeeDee Lamb back in that wide receiver three class? Well, the, there is some hesitation because this is the game against Washington in which he had the goose egg on five targets, and that was an Andy Dalton game. Ben DiNucci came in at the very end. That was a game that Andy Dalton got hurt. Uh, so here we are back to a matchup with Andy Dalton at quarterback against the Washington football team that CeeDee Lamb has done nothing. And you look at CeeDee Lamb, uh, you know, up until that game, he would start to see his targets rise into the double digits. And since since that game, the five targets, he hasn't seen more than seven targets in the game. So I think you got to temper your expectations. I think you could you could argue I'm into the back end wide receiver three range this week, but I don't think you're getting rich off of him. Just the way the things have gone for this Cowboys offense in the last month, way, way the football has been thrown around. Uh, it's not exactly, you know, they're not exactly pilfering him with targets. So the upside with the talent, the matchup, the quarterback situation brings things back down a bit. Yeah. I'm a little bit more optimistic. Uh, the full start from Andy Dalton and uh, not the Washington game, obviously. And yeah, I'm not, excluding that altogether, but the two full starts of Andy Dalton, Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb have seen almost the same amount of volume from Andy Dalton. That's what I like about Dalton is the fact that we have consistency between these two. Like, just Gallup, sorry, goodbye. <laughs> he was kind of goodbye already with Dak, but now he's super goodbye because it's a very focused between these two, and actually Schultz is starting to see a little bit of life. So I think it's better. Brandon's point about the Washington matchup is super concerning. Obviously, they, are, they actually rank top five and quarterback pressure, and also the basically last, I don't know how to say it because it's top five, but it's technically bottom five. So offensive scoring efficiency or actually conversion rate of being able to score, whether it's a field goal or a touchdown, they're top five at stopping opponents. So the opponents are actually ranking bottom five for that, if that kind of makes sense yep. for everybody out yeah, there. That makes so, sense. so you do have that concern, but the pressure is why I still like Lamb to get the ball out quicker for Andy Dalton, but I understand Brandon's concern. I'm just a little bit more optimistic. I have CeeDee Lamb at 29. I have him inside my top 30. All right, I got a couple of receivers here. They're going to be sharing a field in Indianapolis. Huge game in the AFC South, uh, but we're starting to run out of time here, so I'm just going to give one of you one, one of you the other. Who wants Michael Pittman? Who wants Corey Davis? You know Jake wants Michael Pittman. Jake, you want Michael Pittman? <laughs> we're, we're, did you run away from the computer? What was that? <laughs> right. He's dealing with the dog. Um, I will take Corey Davis. Okay, let's do it. Okay, and and I'm looking at your in your notes. You talked about him going uh, five for 67 against Indianapolis in Week 11. Uh, went five catches, 113 yards last week. Three 100 yard games. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's the number two in a Tennessee passing attack, which means the nature of that is going to be that you can't count on big production. But he's been good enough that I mean I'm I'm not ranking him as a wide receiver three. So I think you know for a for a roster rich with wide receivers, he's not a guy I'm, I'm feeling good about the matchup and and th throwing in there this week. But he's been good enough in all kinds of random situations this year that uh, he's a decent dice roll as a wide receiver four in my mind. Yeah, I like that. Uh, you know, I think that's exactly where he fits in, and I think that's where he's going to fit in um, in quite a bit of weeks. And I do take a little bit of solace in the fact that they got him those six looks in the game against Indy a couple of weeks ago. So I feel like that's at least a floor. Six targets for him, I think, could be a floor this week. Uh, Michael Pittman, Jake, are you yes. back? Are you, are you done social distancing? <laughs> hey, look, for, for everybody that wants to know, the, uh, I, if she has to go, her medicine from her surgery is giving her a little bit of diarrhea. If anybody really wants uh, to know about that. That's a, <laughs> well, so you know she, whether we want to or not. 
Yeah, if she has to go, that's what it's immediate. Like she has to go, so that's why <laughs> yeah. I have to get up. But you guys know from Sunday show. Oh, look, Brandon and I had the debate about Michael Pittman, and I'm not saying I'm 100 percent right after another performance, and he's 100 percent wrong. This could still change. I understand. I even mentioned in the waiver column. Brandon knows because he edited. It. I said that's the concern: is that is the volume going to be there every single week? But I am on the Pittman bandwagon. I do think he is the number one. The game where he had the 101 yard game was against the Titans just two weeks ago. So the Titans are easily beatable against wide receivers, and they give up a lot of big games. So I, I think Pittman, in my opinion, has moved into the, I, I crazy to say, must start. I, I think that who, like, I would bench, I have Corey Davis higher, way higher than a lot of people, and I would still start him over Corey Davis. I would start him over both the Giants wide receivers. I would start him over anybody in Cleveland, Philly. Uh, I, that's That's really kind of where I put him at this point. Yeah, I think yeah, my, three targets is going to be an anomaly when we look back at uh, the rest of his game logs for the remainder of the season. Yeah, I was just going to say, and, my, and part of my argument was not number ones on across the league are not all created equally. Like a number one in Kansas City is different than the number one in Indy, and a number two for you know Pittsburgh might be better than a that we know is better than a lot of number ones across across the league. So I was I was kind of referring to environment a little bit, but right. I mean, I I, you know I, I don't want to. Hold on. What? It was funny. Is that now you you were concerned about CD Lamb this week? Well, that was the original argument. Was Lamb versus Pittman? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I I know that. And I, I, but I I was just saying. I I, I, I mean I whatever. I don't want to go back down the. <laughs> no no no. I was I wasn't even saying again. that to be like now yeah. you're back. No, I was just saying that that was the player we were talking about. And for this one week, I'm saying I know it's just one week of Lamb that you're concerned. Yeah. Um, all right, well, let's uh, let's hit this wide receiver position, uh, what we did with quarterback and running back. Give me a wide receiver who you are concerned about potentially underperforming expectations for Week 12. Jake, you got it. Mm, underperforming. I was ready for the – I was uh, – Christian Kirk. Yeah. I, like Christian Kirk had that nice little stretch. There's a good con- conversation that we had about that second option when you're number one. It's just so dominant. And Kirk was fun. Kirk was hella fun for yeah. a while there, but two straight games. Buffalo – beatable this year, very beatable this year outside of Tredavious White, and he didn't have to really worry about White in that game. I don't even know, was White even active in that game? <laughs> Against Seattle, which we expected to be a complete shootout for everybody involved. Same, 6-4 and four in both those games, 27-50 and 50 yards. That streak that he had, he had a game where he only had 37 yards in one of those, on five catches. It's the touchdowns. It's the same run that he had, uh, I think, like last year at that point where that three-touchdown game got mixed in there where he had a few good games. He's still Christian Kirk. It was really fun, but this is who Christian Kirk is. He's the number two led by DeAndre Hopkins, and it's going to be volatile. Yeah. I, I will throw out Michael Thomas as someone we saw go for over 100 yards last week, and I think everybody said, okay, finally, Michael Thomas is back. Um, if you watch the game, it's Atlanta Falcons. Taysom Hill had forever to throw. And I'm, I'm curious to see what he looks like if Denver gets pressure on him. Uh, the honeymoon could be over for Taysom Hill in terms of how he looks in the passing game, which means that could be uh, volatility for Michael Thomas. So I don't think he, you know, I still gave him upside to do good, um, but I'm, I'm a little bit worried that everybody's just thinking, okay, we're good on Michael Thomas now going forward. He finally had his 100-yard game. He's back to being Michael Thomas. I think that's a very tenuous situation there with that Saints passing game. Opposite side of the coin, make an argument, Brandon, for someone who's maybe a little off the radar at this position that could start in week 12. Uh, it feels like a Cole Beasley week. Every every few weeks, I, I kind of throw out Cole Beasley. And normally, I've been right. Like, um, But I just expect that this Josh Allen-Justin Herbert game is going to be an absolute shootout. I want everybody involved in this game, except for the except for the Chargers backfield. You can have them. <laughs> uh, actually, the back you can have both backfields. I just want the receivers in these games. Um, but I expect this one to be a shootout, and I expect Cole Beasley to be a good part of that. Ready to go super deep? Like, yes. Really, really, really deep? Kadero oh, yes. Hodge. Kadero Hodge, credit to our internal team saying that, I think it was Jackson, I don't remember exactly who said it, but that Hodge would be the one to look for when we had the loss of Odell Beckham, that he was going to get back to being healthy and watch for it. And it took a few games, but last week, more snaps, routes, opportunities than Rashad Higgins. And he is now, technically, if you want to base it off one game, and also the report, which I believe, and I believe our team, Hodge is the number two with Jarvis Landry, not Higgins, and going against Jacksonville. I think if you're digging super deep as a wide receiver four, I don't want to, everything, you know, nobody's on by. So, but in case you're in one of those kind of leagues, I think Hodge could become a fun. I picked him up in two deep leagues I'm in. 
three catches for 73 yards last week. Those 73 yards led the Browns in their win over the Eagles. And, hey, maybe the Browns will get to play a game in not awful weather conditions this week. Um, guys, you cool with uh, just skipping tight end and going to uh, our wrap-up <laughs> question here? That's sure. Cool. You know go what? find a tight end yeah. that's going to get a yeah. touchdown. That's all you need there to do. There you go. Find a tight end that's going to get a I touchdown. I got one. I got one. The, uh, fine. Who is it? Will Disley. Oh, got no Greg Olson there, and uh, <laughs> oh, it's going to be the I, Will Disley. I, I, I'm on the Will Disley train, but Brandon, this is your team. Can you guarantee me it won't be Hollister? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I, but I'll tell you, I feel better about Disley. I so oh, so do I. <laughs> All right. Um, so, All right. Yeah. We got That's our my Will guy. Disley. There you go. There we go. We got our Keep Will Disley Hurst in your lineup. In. There you go. There's I've another got, one. I want to end this because we, we're always ending on a sour note with the tight end position. And I said last week, we got to figure out something else. So we're going to figure out something else. And here's what it is I want you guys to both give me a week 12 prediction you would figuratively, figuratively, because I don't want to, oh, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to bet the house on anything. Figuratively, bet the house on something that's going to happen in week 12. Jake, why don't you take this one first? Oh, wait, so is it at the tight end position? No, it's anything. Anything, oh. <laughs> any big sort of off-the-board prediction you think is going to happen in Week 12. I will hit the over on Crescent Rolls at 10.5. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, eh, let's go back. I'll, I'll be aggressive at the quarterback position, and I'm going to steal Brandon's guy again. I will say Derek Carr finishes top five this week. Yeah, there we go. Ooh, That's the gosh. spirit right there. What do you got, Brandon? Oh gosh, I don't. You know what? I will say. Um, uh, I'm feeling. I'm feeling Jonathan Taylor for a second straight twenty carry big. <laughs> I just got game. shivers. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's about as that is about as risky a pick as you can get. Two straight twenty carry weeks for Jonathan Taylor. I like it. I'll get in on the fun here too. I'm going to say Terry McLaurin wide receiver one this week. No wide receiver. Gives you more fantasy points in Week 12 than Terry McLaurin. And hopefully no podcast gives you more fantasy points than this one right here. Thanks so much for listening. Two days from now, Black Friday, right? Or maybe, hey, you're listening to this on Thanksgiving Day, so it's one day or a Friday. So guess what? This is active. Back to $1 a month for subscriptions at The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com slash fantasy football pod to get yourself a $1 per month subscription to the best damn fantasy uh, for just all sports, all sports news website out there. Get it in on us right here at The Athletic. For Brandon and Jake, I am Michael Beller. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great, safe, happy Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving weekend. We will be back with you next week. No show tomorrow. Enjoy Thanksgiving. We will have a show on Friday, the usual one with me, Derek Van Riper, and Vic Tafer talking DFS and against the spread picks. And then we'll be back with you with our normal schedule for Week 13. Thanks again for listening. Have a great weekend and enjoy all the Week 12 action. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. 